Remember that scene in Finding Nemo where, the, uh, where there's these fish and then the seagulls pounce on these fish and all the seagulls are saying, mine, 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 mine. Right? That's just so illustrative of, of mammon in our lives. So I want to read to you from, uh, from the generosity, Holy Word Generosity Sunday devotion booklet. Um, it, it looks like this, and we gave it to all of our Holy Word members for preparing for Generosity Sunday, October 25th. And uh, the Stewardship Committee put this together, and uh, they did very well. And uh, our dear sister in Christ, Bobby, she wrote this devotion for the Stewardship Committee and for us. Here's what she writes. This is this past week's devotion, so hopefully it's familiar to you. How many of you have seen the movie Finding Nemo and can recall the scene where the seagulls pounce on the fish saying, mine, 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 mine? I quote that to my grandchildren all the time when they're playing with the toys in my bins at my house, and one of them does not want to share with the others and says, mine. In reality, the toy they are fixated on and declaring to be their own actually belongs to me. It is not theirs. But because they know that anything in those bins is theirs to play with, in their minds it has become theirs, and that's okay with me. I think of it as theirs too. Except when they want to fight over it and deny their cousins or others, other children access to it, then it becomes mine again. Bobby and the stewardship devotions d- describe uh, such a, a true reality for us when it comes to money and possessions with those words. We can put ourselves in the shoes, the little tiny shoes of children, and even when we are children, or watching our own children behave, and through that lens, see this truth. And here's the deal. God owns everything that we have. The shirt on your back, the car in your garage, the clothes in your closet, your 401k. It's not yours, it's God's. But, let me tell you a little secret. Like Bobby wrote, as far as how she sees her grandchildren, God's okay with you thinking of those things as your own and and using them as if they belong to you. He's he's okay with you thinking of them that way, really. it's, It's not that big of a deal until... Until you want to grip them so tightly that you end up fighting someone else over them, until you're jealous or covetous of what others have that you don't, until you're not grateful for them, or until you want to rip them from God's possession and actually make them your own, then. Then, God says, then I make them mine again. And, uh, and that's our challenge. That's a big challenge for us, uh, especially the more that God gives us in this world. So we want to address that directly. And uh, I think the best way to do that is just listen to some words of Jesus who talked about, about what happens when we as recipients of God's good things want to hold on to them too tightly and we lose our perspective, we lose our spiritual perspective of, of what, why God gives them to us and who's, who they really belong to. So I'm going to read a parable of Jesus from Luke chapter 12. Grab your Bible or look at your Bible app and I want you to follow along because you've got to see these words so that you know I'm not making them up when I read these words of Jesus. And I also want, to, want you to do that so you can count 
How many times in this parable, Jesus tells us this parable about this farmer. And the Bible calls him a fool. And he's foolish because he's, here's how he treats his possessions. Mine, 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 mine. You count how many times he says that in the story that Jesus tells about this, this farmer, this rich farmer. Count how many times he uses the expression I, mine, or me. All right, you count. Listen carefully as I read it or, or read along. Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 16. And Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. God's blessing this man. Things are good. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? The story's done, and then Jesus ends it with this clincher. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. You know, that the parable of Jesus is, is really not difficult at all. Uh, it's not difficult when it comes to us agreeing with it and understanding it, it makes a lot of sense. Where it's difficult is seeing ourselves in it. We can see that applying to Donald Trump or the, the uber-rich people in the world, right? Look out, God's got something to say to you. But it's, it's really a challenge for us to put ourselves in And that's where Jesus wants us to. He wants us to put ourselves there and to see ourselves as mine, 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 mine and hoarding to ourselves and, and seeing what we own as ours to do with what we want and not God's. Why is God so serious about this? Why, why did Jesus tell this parable? Because we take money and possessions as mammon and we put them in the place where only God belongs in our hearts. And they come to us as items of this world, as, as Satan can use them and, and speak through them, and they make promises to us, promises that they can make life better for us, promises that they can give us things. And we believe those promises, and, and then our greed becomes idolatry. I, I just have to show you from God's Word how true this is and how... I'm not making this stuff up. And I, I know your heart because it's sinful like mine. And I know you resist hearing this. And you're dismissive and you're defensive. And you think, you know, I'm, I may be a little bit uh, appropriate to hear, but it's not that big of a deal for me. I want you to see what a big deal this is with, with these verses from God's Word. What a big deal greed is. Colossians 3, verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, that sinful, natural nature, 
put it to death, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Greed is idolatry. No bones about it. I said it before, and the Bible says it. Greed is idolatry. It's, it's you putting something else in the place of God. And you don't manage it. You kill it. You don't live with it. You don't snuggle up to it. You don't have a relationship with it where you can give it certain boundaries. You have to put it to death. Or it will own you and ruin you. This is... Uh, this is the, the, what Jesus said just before the parable I read from Luke chapter 12. Then Jesus said to them, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Right? Jesus gets our attention and he says, Hey, 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 come here. Look at this. Look at this. Watch out. Be on your guard. See this? Stop! It's a hot stove. Oh, sweetie, right? We say to our kids, that's hot. Don't, no touch, no touch, hot stove. And we warn them about the danger of a hot stove. We want them to respect it and see how real it is and not get hurt from it. That's what Jesus is doing. He's showing us money and possessions. And he's saying, see this? Ouch, ouch, watch out. Be careful, are we? That careful? Do not be deceived, the next verse starts. This is 1 Corinthians 6. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know how you get around anything that's in that list and say that you're okay with God with any of it. But I want to tell you something, and I want it to hit home for us as church-going people. We tend to point our fingers at people who are on that list, especially homosexuals. And we tend to look down on them and judge them in ways that we're not willing to judge ourselves. And this verse will not allow that. If you've ever had a greedy thought, you are no different. And that's the problem. We, we just don't think that we have greed, and if we do, it's, we don't think it's all that bad. Anything on here is bad. Look how bad it is. You live that way, and you're okay living that way. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. I love and care for all of you, and I have to say that because I know you have a sinful heart like I do, and, and we're all the same, and we have to take those words seriously. It, we think we gain something by our greed. We think it's going to bring us something, some security. We end up losing everything. Final verse, and then I'll stop. I know it's getting hard to handle, but I'm making a point. All right. Ephesians 5. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person... Such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. He just puts all those together. Immoral, impure, greedy. It just puts them all in one sentence, and they all relate. It's idolatry. God, Psalm 24 today tells us God made everything. He made your body. 
And he has the right to tell you what he wants you to do with it. He made what's in your closet. He made the iPhone in your pocket. He made the opportunity for you to have an income or retirement funds. He made your toys, your video games. He owns your home. He owns your car, your swimming pool, your motorcycle, your truck. He owns it. It's his. And when you think of it as mine, 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 and grab it too tightly and want to take it from him, you risk him not only taking it away, but you risk losing your very faith and your very love and loyalty to him as your savior. That's such serious business. Jesus once said that, that we need to pay attention because wealth is deceitful above all things. That's why we're having a series. That's why I'm standing to you talking very plainly from the Bible right now. We have to address these things because the danger that, that we have in them of pulling our heart away from God. God owns everything. And at the end of the day, God's going to take a, an inventory of everything that he's given you and say, did you use it for my purposes? And I don't think we can always claim that that's true. Mine, mine, mine. Our world and our society around us is so good at teaching us to say that. And the teaching of evolution in our schools and uh, in our neighborhoods, and if we don't resist that in our own thought process... That teaches us mine, mine, mine. Why? It teaches us survival of the fittest. I have to take care of number one. Mine, mine, mine. And so, right, this thought process in the world around us is so pervasive and so subtle, and it gets us to think that we have to think that too, and we have to resist that by remembering that everything belongs to God, not to us. Psalm 24 says it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Does that include you? you? You can't get out of this Bible verse. You're in it. And all your stuff is in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. It all belongs to God. Now here's the good news. Here's the, here's the really encouraging news. I, I have a motorcycle, and actually I'm going to change that statement. God has a motorcycle that he allows me to ride. And uh, I wanted to add some front headlight things, blinkers, lenses, caps to that motorcycle, kind of for safety, kind of because they look cool, mostly because they look cool. And that motorcycle is a Harley-Davidson, shameless plug for everyone watching online today, Harley-Davidson. Uh, and, and I went on eBay, and uh, I wanted genuine Harley-Davidson parts for that Harley-Davidson motorcycle. I didn't want aftermarket, different cheap stuff. I wanted the real deal. Um, not, not made outside of the USA, made right here in the good old USA by Harley-Davidson. Why? 
because by adding those, it contributes to the value of that motorcycle as a genuine Harley-Davidson motorcycle, and it doesn't detract from its value by putting something else on it that really doesn't belong. It, it could work, it might even actually be better, but it, it's not HD, it's not Harley-Davidson. See, so that manufacturer is the best party, the best entity to give value to something that I have that's made by that manufacturer. Are you tracking with me? Right? God is the manufacturer, the owner of all that you have. The best one to manage, to invest, to repair, to fix, to take total worry away from all those things, the best one to do that is not you. But it's, it's the manufacturer. It's God. And the more you let him do that, the more you trust him to do that, the more you remember that verse, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The more at peace you're going to be, the more content you're going to be in your life, the more grateful you will become for what God gives you as opposed to what he gives others, the more content you will be. And it all starts there. It all belongs to God. And then when it belongs to God, no one can take it away from him. He's given it to you, and, and you realize it's his no power in this world can come and, and, and wrench that away from God if he wants that to be your, your treasure and, and your blessing. You see how, how important that is to, to realize that, that God owns it all. Um, it's such a big first step. And, uh, and then I want to tell you this, not only in this first article way, I say that, referring to our creeds, and the first article of our creed says, God is a creator. We'll say it later. But there's also a second article piece of that. The second article, we confess Jesus as our Savior and his saving work of we call redemption. That Jesus, that his Father used things, physical things, material possessions of this world. A donkey a manger, young parents who had no clue what they were doing, a boat, a net, friends, carpentry skills, fish, health, Sickness, the government, thorns, nails, cross, empty tomb, bright sky, Jesus ascending above the clouds. See, all those material things God used in his redemptive plan, putting at the disposal of his Son, our Savior Jesus, who owned them all and used them all. How? He used all of those to save you. 
to come and put his toes in this dirt on this planet and to save you from your greed and to turn you into a person who believes more in generosity and in gratefulness to God for his gifts than you do believing the lies of mammon who make all, make all kind of empty promises. That's, that's the redemptive part of God owning it all and putting it at Jesus' disposal. He, he heard it in Colossians 1. Jesus has supremacy over all. Jesus owns your daughter and her medical condition. Jesus owns your son and his rebellion against authority. Jesus owns your cancer your business, your spouse, your home, your laptop, your hobbies, and he wants you to use them like he used material possessions to glorify God and to help save and to serve others. All right. Um, I want to continue on the theme a little bit with words of encouragement for how, how important it is here in Psalm 24 and, uh, and talk about this. When there's, an, when there's an owner and a renter on the scene, let's say there's a, there's, a, there's a house for rent and there's the owner and there's, there's the renter. Who has more responsibility for that home? Who, in whose pocket is the greatest investment? And who has the highest demand for attention for the welfare of that home? Certainly the renter has some responsibility to take care of it, but ultimately that's why they're renting. So they don't have to have that deep investment and with that risk. They, so they don't have to fix and repair. So they don't have to buy a new refrigerator when that one blows up. Right? That's why they're renting. The greatest responsibility is on the owner. Do you see what that means? And what Psalm 24 says about how you see money and possessions? And how when we remember that God is the owner of all of them, oh, that takes a load off our shoulders. When Jesus owns your daughter and her medical condition, your son and his rebellion against authority, you don't own it. Jesus is the one who's more responsible and you can go to him and ask, and he'll be there to care, to cure, to heal, to help. There are, um, there are some people I miss from my days in Milwaukee. Um, that was three years ago that I moved here from Milwaukee. And uh, I just don't have the same relationship with some of them anymore. Not most of them. Just they're, they're still friends, and I see their stuff on Facebook, but it's not the same. A couple of people that I miss the most, uh, and I'm, this is going to sound wrong when I say it, but then I'm going to explain it, okay? A couple of people that I miss the most are the people who gave me really good stuff. Uh, and by that I mean um, people are way too kind to their pastor. People just do these things. And so some of the folks there that I knew from Milwaukee um, had residences or vacation homes or cabins up north. And so my family was able to vacation 
at some, what I would call luxurious places, timeshares, that, that these people, out of the goodness of their heart, would say, hey, pastor, take your family on a vacation. Maybe they want, maybe they didn't want to hear me preaching anymore. I don't know. want to get rid of me, right? So take your family. I'm kidding. Um, t- they just want, out of the goodness of their hearts, they wanted our family to enjoy what they had. And we have some of our most special family memories at those places that, that we could never afford but we're able to use. And, and we miss those places because we made such good memories at them. Some of them we can go back every year for years and years. And uh, you, you talk to my boys, uh, my wife Kara, and they'll tell you what wonderful memories we have at those places. And, and we do. It's really neat using, even spending, something of worth and value and luxury that isn't your own. And that's what we did. We were, we were able to spend, in, in a sense, what didn't belong to us, but was, had such great value. And now I'm going to bring it back full circle. Because I thought of this in preparing for this sermon. I'm missing those people. I miss those people and my relationship with them that was kind of built up. The relationship with them was built up as they allowed us to use these, these places. You had to interact with them and they trusted you and you trusted them and so we became close. I miss more than the places, the people. And it's a good lesson for us to focus on the giver more than the gift. And appreciate God and what he does in our lives more than, doesn't mean we don't appreciate his blessings and gifts, but I, I appreciate what God does for, him, for me, and you should too, but never appreciate it. Never grab onto it more tightly than you grab onto God and your relationship with him. And enjoy this joyful generosity that can come from spending in this world what isn't even yours, what God gives to you, this luxury and this value. Because you know it'll never run out, and God, God will always give and, re- and uh, respond and supply. Mine, 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 mine. I took the challenge after reading that devotion this past week in the Generosity Sunday devotional booklet. You all have one. If you don't have one, I have some extras here today. I'll give you one. There's an activity at the end of that devotion. Maybe you read it, and maybe you did it too. The activity was pay attention in your own heart to see how often during the day you think, mine, 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 my, my, myself, me, me, like the foolish farmer did in the parable, right? So I'm at Home Depot a day or two after, uh, after reading this devotion, and I wasn't really consciously thinking of it, but uh, I, uh, I left the door. I parked. I parked like... Okay, this is the start. The very, the very first closest parking spot to the door. I went in. I got my stuff. I'm walking out of the door of Home Depot, there's traffic, I have to walk, I have to carry my things, other people are in the way, but da, 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 da. I get to my car. And then it hit me. Between leaving the door of Home Depot and opening the door of my truck, seven times I thought of myself before others. Seven times. And that's in about 21 steps. That's once every three steps having a selfish thought. 
If I multiply that by the entire day, mine, 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 mine. It's how, how easy it is for us to think in that way, and I'm so thankful. Uh, God could have ripped what I bought at Home Depot right out of my hands, or, but, but he didn't, and he didn't for this reason, that his word was in my heart. I had read it. I had heard it in this devotion, and it, and it made me realize what a rich fool I was for thinking in any of those ways and how grateful I am in all the gifts that God gives to me. And I hope the same is true of you, that this devotion and this topic, that it all belongs to God, frees you and opens your heart to be grateful, to be generous, to be content, to not worry, to not be afraid. Mine, 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 mine. That's what God says. And his voice echoes more loudly throughout the universe and even in your own soul than your own. Mine, 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 God says, about everything you own and even about you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we think that we are so smart and we lay out our spreadsheets and our plans and we make our investments and we calculate the boxes and they all add up and we think that it's all good. We pull out our, our drawers and, and our cupboards at home and, and they're full and our fridge is, our second fridge is full, just like our first fridge. And we never really wake up at the beginning of the day and wonder if there will be a meal on the table. And through it all, Lord, because we're so blessed, it's very easy for us to forget about you and to think that it's all about us and, and to be complacent. And even during this, even in the rich, rich, richness that you give us, we're, we're discontent. Lord, forgive our, our slow-to-believe hearts and our foolishness and lead us today to remember and to realize that it's all yours, not ours, and, and to use it in a way that involves faith, that involves risk that we place into your hands, and that involves us seeing our security, not in what we own, but in what you promise is always true. Amen.